Hey, how's everybody doing? And welcome to the first episode of 125 Unfiltered. Again, I'm your host, Joshua Dolgoff, and I'm very excited to get started with my first episode, official episode of this podcast. We're just going to hop straight into it. Once again, 20-minute episodes, Monday through Fridays. And again, we're going to get right into it. So to start it off, we've got the North Carolina Tar Heels coming back from 21 down to beat Wake Forest at home, 59-53. to It was a very interesting game at first, but very exciting towards the end. Uh, again, UNC was down, I believe, 45-24. to at a point in the third quarter, down 21, but that offense led by Sam Howell came back. And Sam Howell, we all know how well he did. He had a phenomenal day, 32 of 45, seven touchdowns. One of them was rushing, seven total touchdowns, one interception. But Sam Howell was absolutely phenomenal. He single-handedly, along with his weapons by his side, led the Tar Heels back into that game. That was a Sam Howell win right there, everybody, and that was very fun to watch. I had some friends at the game, said that the stadium was getting loud even with the COVID restrictions, and boy, what a time it was to be a Tar Heel, to to claim the state beating NC State, then Duke, then Wake Forest. That was definitely a fun game to watch. Now we're going to dive into the recap of it. From my side, at first, our defense could not make a stop. It was, it was very hard to watch our defense just get, getting shredded up by Wake Forest's quarterback, Sam Hartman. And their wide receivers were making some good plays, and they are putting pressure on our offense to constantly score each possession, which in college football, you can't expect your offense to score every drive. You need your defense to have some sort of restriction. But later in the game, that UNC defense did step up. I think it was about four consecutive stops from the UNC defense to give the Tar Heels the chance to get back into the game with their offense. So overall, it was a really, really fun game to watch, and it was a good win for the Tar Heels again. Now I'm going to get back to Sam Howell real quick. Like I said, seven total touchdowns, 550 yards. This kid has NFL potential, and not just NFL potential, top five potential. I'm talking maybe the first quarterback in the draft in a couple of years. You've got Trevor Lawrence this year with Justin Fields, Trey Lance, but it's the Sam Howell year next year. This kid is absolutely phenomenal. He's got great ball accuracy. His deep ball accuracy is so impressive. He's got really good short pass accuracy on the slant passes and the swing passes to the running backs. He's got really good intermediate accuracy as well on some of, some of the like the some some of the deeper slants and some in routes and some out routes like this he, Sam Howell he's going to be an NFL quarterback in a couple of years. He was really impressive and it's unfortunate because if the Tar Heels did not drop those two games against Florida State and Virginia, he could be easily be in the Heisman conversation. Mac Jones is in the Heisman conversation, but Alabama is undefeated. UNC is not. Are you telling me that Mac Jones is playing better than Sam Howell? I'm not really sure about that because he's got a good amount of weapons around him too. But Sam Howell is, once again, he's he's not single-handedly winning UNC games, but he sure as heck got us back in this one with his superb play. Now I'm going to start giving some other guys credit as well. Daz Newsome, his best game of the season with 
Uh, 10 receptions, 189 yards, and two touchdowns. Deami Brown also had a really good game. He had eight receptions, 163 yards, and two touchdowns. So those were Sam Howell's two main targets uh, on the afternoon and obviously for the season. Um, Daz, Daz Neutron was electric. He's very good in space, and Deami Brown is that good deep threat jump ball receiver. He can get it done. There's a lot of NFL potential on this Tar Heel offense. You got Javante Williams again. He had 13 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. For most of the game, Wake Forest did a pretty good job of neutralizing the run for UNC, forcing Sam Howell to throw the ball 45 times. But why stop throwing the ball when you're throwing for over 500 yards uh, at the start of the fourth quarter or minutes into the fourth quarter? It was one heck of a performance again from Sam Howell. And I, I do want to give credit again to the defense. Four big stops in a row. They, It's amazing what can happen when you make a college football quarterback uncomfortable. Sam Hartman, for most of the afternoon, was in his zone. He was comfortable in the pocket. He was being protected. He was making some really good throws. He was also having a great day. But once you knock the quarterback down one time, once you get a hand in his face, once you show that that defensive line that we have been expecting to get pressure all year with them with the talent that we have there, once you once you cause that quarterback to lose a bit of his mojo and his flow within the game, you can really disrupt an offense. And that's exactly what the Tar Heels did to come back into that game. He was missing throws, whether it was passes into the dirt or just simply um with there are a couple big sacks one uh, main one being Chad Surratt on that fourth and nine I believe that uh allowed us to go up two touchdowns that was a huge play so overall it was a the second half was extremely um impressive for the Tar Heels because that first half was not pretty at all Wake Forest, again, they were whooping us. They were going down the field, scoring touchdowns. So it's important that our defense can maintain its level of pressure on the quarterback and its its productivity with making tackles. I know the secondary is a bit banged up right now. You've got Storm Duck still out. He's been out for most of the season. But you still got some good guys in there. Don Chapman, he, he can make plays. Very good safety. So... When the Tar Heels play Notre Dame in about two weeks, it's on Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, that defense is going to have to step up like they did in that second half against Wake Forest to give us a shot. But at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Howell is the focal point of this Tar Heel team. He can carry us to victory. He has the arm strength. He has the pocket of awareness. At times, he might not know when to just get rid of the ball. As, you, as some Tar Heel fans have seen in some of these games, for causing him to make bad throws. I believe he had a bad throw against Duke when he did that, where he just wouldn't throw the ball away. But nonetheless, this team can upset Notre Dame. And we'll get into that in uh, probably around next week when I really start to preview that game. But yeah, good win for the Tar Heels, getting to 6-2. It's been a fun season so far. And again, let's see what we can do against Notre Dame in two weeks. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back in a, in a couple moments. All right, welcome back, everyone, to 125 Unfiltered. Joshua Dolgoff is back, ready to talk about some NFL. We're going to switch uh, when I do those pauses. 
just to let everyone know again first episode I just want to sort out some of those these type of things um the the pauses will include a switch of the subject so now we've got the nfl crazy nfl sunday week 10 of the nfl season first we're gonna get into the new york giants my new york giants versus the philadelphia eagles the giants finally beat the eagles for the first time in four years 27 to 17 and all of a sudden the new york giants are half a game behind first place in the nfc east I would have never thought. We were 1-7 a couple weeks ago, and I'm thinking we've got to get rid of Dave Gettleman. Daniel Jones isn't the answer. But now here we, we beat Washington and Philly two weeks in a row, and we're, we're in it, mainly because the NFC East currently might be the worst division in football I have ever seen. Ten combined wins so far between the teams. That's one win a week between four teams. It's atrocious, but nonetheless... My Giants are in contention, and I'm happy because everything's better in the NFL when the Giants are in playoff contention. So now let's get into the game a little bit. Daniel Jones got the job done on his feet. He had a rushing touchdown. I believe it was about 37 yards. Wayne Gallman punched the ball in twice into the end zone. He had two touchdowns. And the defense, again, they, they did. They, this is a really good defense. You've got a tackling machine in Blake Martinez, really good against the run. You've got a shutdown corner in James Bradbury making a crucial stop on a 4th and 10. And this defense all around just made Carson Wentz's life hard. And it, it, you've got Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson up front. You've got some big guys up there ready to stop to, to make some stops, not necessarily against the run. They ran for about 150 yards between Sanders and Scott. But overall, I'm really happy with how this Giants team is playing. This defense is playing really hard. The last, I would say, four weeks, starting with the first time we played Philly, we've really put up a fight. And it's great to see these improvements because the main thing that I've been hearing on television, and I agree with it, but we're all playing for Joe Judge. We have bought in. Joe Judge deserves a lot of credit for what he has done as our coach. They want to play for him. This did not happen with Pat Shermer or Ben McAdoo. These, these players, they want to play for Joe Judge. He has instilled something in this locker room, some sort of camaraderie or a level of collectiveness that we haven't seen in Giants football for about four years, four or five years. And I credit Joe Judge for that because his players are in line. They're ready to play. They give it their all. And I know the start of the season was rough, but we have been in every single game. Starting from like we starting from the Dallas game on, and it's good to say I'm proud to be a Giants fan at the moment. No matter how this season turns out, I'm seeing improvements. Daniel Jones, he's been playing better. Not turning the ball over is a good thing. But yeah, Giants football. We're on a bye week this week, and we come back the next week. I believe it might be Cincinnati, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I'll have to look at the schedule. So now transitioning to other games. The first game that I really want to talk about is the Bills versus the Cardinals. What a game that was. You've got two great young quarterbacks in Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. Two really good wide receivers, some of the best in the league, that both teams traded for. you got Stephon Diggs for the Bills and DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals. And how special DeAndre Hopkins is. That Hail Mary catch, 
there are not many players who have ever played in the NFL that can make that catch. But he did because he has some of the best hands we have ever seen in the NFL. That was a flashback to Megatron against the Bengals, just hoisting a ball up there, saying go get it over three defenders, and he did it. And a Hail Mary too, time expiring, that was unbelievable. Now getting into the to the to the teams in the in the larger picture, both teams have very good shots at going far in the playoffs. I believe the Bills are seven and three. I think the Cardinals are six and three. But both these are some really good young teams going on here. Training for DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs has paid off. You've gotten your young quarterbacks number one targets. And how can you not just think about the Texans? Deshaun Watson must be kicking himself right now. Because his coach at the time, GM Bill O'Brien, decided to trade away DeAndre Hopkins for a second round pick. And David Johnson, one of the best, if not the best receiver in the league, that debate's obviously up in the year. You've got so many opinions on that. You can never really say there's one. But you trade DeAndre Hopkins for practically two okay players. Not even a first-round pick. The Bills got a first-round pick for Diggs. So I just I feel bad for Deshaun Watson there. But, man, Bill O'Brien, did he mess up. Some other results around the league. The Buccaneers took care of the Panthers, Tom Brady, and co., Got the offense back together, dropping 46. Ronald Jones running for 192. He's throwing touchdown passes to Gronk and Mike Evans. He's getting Antonio Brown and Godwin involved. When they're clicking on all cylinders, they can get the job done. The Ravens lose last night in a, in a rainy game against New England. They dropped to 6-3. Might wonder how Lamar Jackson is being perceived now as his passing flaws are being shown. So yeah, it was a really, really good week in the NFL. Tonight we've got the Bears and the Vikings to end off week 10. And that game might not have as many big implications on the larger larger picture as the Bears are kind of sinking right now. And the Vikings are haven't had the greatest season with Kirk Cousins under center. Nonetheless, the the NFL has it's been a really fun season and and Again, this is the first episode. We still have a lot of the season left, and I'm very excited to get into all of it when the playoffs come around. And, yeah. So that'll that'll be my NFL section. I have one more section, and we're going to head to the NBA in a few moments. If you're still listening, thank you for sticking around, listening to 125 Unfiltered. Again, first episode. I'm going to keep saying it, but I just, I just have to live in this moment doing my first official podcast episode. And it's a great time. Again, I'll be back in a few moments to talk about some NBA. Welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. We're going to end this first episode off with some NBA action. Not necessarily action, but some action in the trade market. There's going to be a lot of NBA going on this week. NBA draft is on Wednesday. NBA free agency opens up Friday. So if you're here for some NBA, we've got a lot of that coming up with some huge draft decisions and free agency decisions. Most notably, we're going to start off with the OKC Thunder making two huge trades this week to benefit for their future. We've got Dennis Schroeder getting traded to the Lakers to be with LeBron for a first-round pick. And then today, 
a Woj bomb drops. The great Adrian Wojnarowski told ESPN, Chris Paul is being traded to the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, the new big three in Phoenix. It's going to be really interesting to see how this affects their playoff chances. Here are the details of the trade. Chris Paul and Abdel Nader are getting traded to the Phoenix Suns for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre Jr., Ty Jerome, Jalen LeCue, and a 2022 first-round pick. So you're getting four players and a first-round pick. You got a first-round pick from Schroeder. So that's two first-round picks to go with the stash of picks that it seems like you've stolen from the Los Angeles Clippers at the moment. This is really good for the Thunder. They've got a bright future. You got Shea Gilgis Alexander leading your point guard position. You're getting Kelly Oub right now, who's a ascending young player. Not necessarily young because he's been in the league for a bit. He was with Washington and then Phoenix and now OKC. But if you're Sam Presti, you have to give yourself a pat on the back because you have done a really good job managing this team. You made it to the playoffs last year. And how could I forget? A player that I was super impressed by in the playoffs was Lou Dort, guarding James Harden. He's still there. He can improve. He dropped 30 points in Game 7. This is going to be an interesting team to follow in the next few years. They might not win next year or the year after that, but they have a lot of draft capital to make some good draft picks or make some moves within the trade market or free agency. Now I'd say the next big piece of big news, which is the last topic for today's episode, because it's a big one. James Harden, reportedly, according to Shams, wants out of Houston wants to go to a contender with Brooklyn and Philly at the top of his list. And I can't imagine. James Harden with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. That would be a scary, scary sight for the rest of the teams in the East, including my Toronto Raptors. It's going to be interesting to see how Houston manages this because they intend to hold on to Harden and Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook also wanted out. You got teams like the Knicks looking at him because they have all the cap space they can take on his huge contract. But Houston's in a really bad position here because who they've already given up two first-round picks to Chris Paul or for the Chris Paul trade to get Russell Westbrook. You convert to small ball. You have no big men. There's no stable players aside from Harden who wants out. That's been in your organization. You need to refine your identity with Steven Silas as the new coach from the Dallas Mavericks. It's gonna be interesting again to see who they receive in return for James Harden. If you trade James Harden to the Nets, we'll just do a hypothetical here. You have to get Karis Levert. In my opinion, Brooklyn should keep Karis Levert because this kid is going to be a great third wheel for KD and Kyrie. He's a good teammate. He showed his passing ability in the playoffs. Really well. He's dropping like 10, 10 assists, sometimes 15. He can score the basketball. I don't think they should trade him, but if you're Houston, you have to get Karis LeVert. Spencer Dinwiddie is also a must. He's a great point guard to have. We might as well get Jared Allen as well. It's James Harden. If Brooklyn wants him, they're going to have to give up the house. And that's a topic I would definitely like to get into for another episode, talking about Brooklyn's future. We can talk about that when free agency opens up even though the trade market has already opened up for today. 
But yeah, James Harden wanting out of Houston. So we've got another big superstar on the move. Whether he goes to the Eastern Conference or stays in Houston and they want to hold on to him, that remains to be seen. But the NBA, NBA free agency, even though the deadline or even though it starts on Friday, it is already happening. Chris Paul going to the Suns, Schroeder going to the Lakers, and James Harden reportedly wanting to leave Houston. Thank you all for listening. It was a great first episode. We Again, Monday through Fridays, weekdays, around 20-minute episodes. And that's all I have for you today. Again, thank you for listening to 125 Unfiltered. And have a nice day or have a nice night whenever you're listening to this. And I'll see you tomorrow.